right, welcome back to On Leadership, Franklin Covey's weekly leadership newsletter, where I serve as your weekly host. My name is Scott Miller, and each week we bring a different renowned expert. Sometimes they're a best-selling author, CEO, business titan, or just a really wise person whose insights we love as it relates to becoming more effective a better leader in your personal and professional life. Today, I'm delighted to have back our first three-time guest, Corey Kogan, just because she's so darn smart and practical. Corey, welcome back to On Leadership. Thanks for having me. Thanks Great for dropping into the set again. Yes. The book that you've been the lead author of, The Five Choices, has sold a tremendous amount of copies. I mean, it really is the best-selling book in the space of redefining the concept of what was time management. And now you very wisely call it decision management, energy management, and attention management. And today our topic is going to be about the third one, attention management. Specifically choice four, you've termed it rule your technology, don't let it rule you. I brought my on, mine on set today because like all of us, it's sort of an extension of our hand now, is it not? It's... I mean, there's technologies more than your phone, but we're going to talk a lot to start around the urgency addiction, as you call it. There's a lot of neuroscience and science around how our lives have been transformed, some for the better, some for the worse, around our urgency addiction. Will you kind of give us again a primer on what's going on subconsciously with distractions and technology, maybe some early tips on how to recognize that and conquer it? Sure, and it's a, it's a great it's a long subject. question, right? Yeah. Yes, but it's a great subject, and we, we could spend all day on it. We'll really, you know, boil this down. Um, we are addicted to our technology. When we talk about rule your technology, don't let it rule you. Yeah. We've got to first start with you know, dealing with the addiction and then putting systems in place to really accelerate productivity. When you mention technology, is it mainly our phones? It's our phones, it's the systems in our offices, it's okay. uh, things Laptops like Outlook and, or yeah. Google or yeah. you know, Tablets, any of yeah. that. Yeah. And any of it, it's all of it. Anything that's digital, okay. the cloud, right. I mean, all of that is, is, is part of it. You know, I talk so much about the brain as a student of neuroscience, neural leadership, because we optimize the brain in the 21st century as knowledge workers uh, versus industrial age manual workers. And so when you think about um, addiction, obviously we know that it means that we're taking something or doing something excessively that's causing damage. And so our cell phones can do that to us, or our technology can do that to us. And with the brain, just really quick, there's two organizing principles. It looks for threat first and reward second. Hmm. So when your cell phone is over there, even if the sound is off, but it vibrates. It's never over there, by the way. It's always I, well, right here. And you can see that fear, right? Yeah. Oh my God, over there. Yeah. But with the first thing that your brain does is, oh, there's something unknown, what is it? So it immediately zeroes in on that. And second is, oh, somebody might need me, and that's rewarding. So there's this great cocktail of what your brain is going through that is hooking us into the need to deal with the instantaneousness of our technology. Well, and the world has changed, right? In all fairness to those of us who are addicted, in our defense, we'd say the world has changed. I mean, it's not as safe a place. Our parents are aging. We never know when they're going to call. Is my wife or kids going to need something? So you feel as you are more connected and as your time's more in demand, I feel like I need to have my phone around me because the odds that something could go wrong in the world that impacts people I love and work with is higher these days. And I want to be able to be involved or 
come to the rescue, right? Or so let's be careful about what we mean by addiction, because a lot of times I'll ask audiences, how many of you are addicted? And I'll ask them to confess that and give an example of what is it. Well, I love technology. I want to have my phone always, because in case of my parents, that's not addiction. Using te I love using technology. We can love using technology, but you really have to take it back to choice one around the time matrix and, and discerning what's important, less important, not important, and saying, I'm using my technology in a quadrant one or two kind of way um, and putting it down if I think I'm slipping into quadrant three or four, meaning it's just a distraction. I'm just picking it up because I have nothing else to do. Uh, or right. excessive right. use of it because I just am doing that at the behest of or damaging. So I should be talking to my child, not reading on my cell phone. So I, be careful that you're not, you know, are you really addicted or not? This is a confession. One of my favorite pastimes is, is to be like in a line at the airport or somewhere, long line. And you'll see someone's <laughs> phone ring. And you'll see like eight people pick out their phones and it's not them. Or you'll see someone check their phone and you'll watch other people see them and everybody reaches for their phone. Oh yeah, it's time to check mine as well too. It's become kind of a national pastime. Well, it is. And those are called mirror neurons in yes. the neurological world. I mean, you sort of see it. It's sort of like when you see somebody pour, in my world, when you see somebody pour a glass of wine, yeah. it's like, oh, I could use a glass of wine yeah, too. Yeah. Or a glass After of wine. After five. Somewhere. <laughs> right. Right. So, so, I mean, there is all of, again, you can see the neurology that gets associated with, sure. with technology. Yeah. And you really need to ask yourself, is it causing damage? And I'll give you a very clear example, both at home and at work. Um, I hear from a lot of people, and I work to be very careful about this too, and know when I'm falling into it. At home, you know, you, everybody gets on their stuff, on their technology. And what should you be doing instead of that? Should you building be building relationships, uh, build, parenting? Uh, right. I mean, yeah. so Keeping just your spouse together. or partner yeah. or the kids. Um, and there's some research out there. I won't name names here. Just know that it's out there, and I can give it to you later if you want. Some terrible studies that have been done about how children are paying a terrible price um, because their parents will not get off their cell phones, and so the kids feel like they're competing for their parents' love with the cell phone. So when they do those psychological evaluations and stuff like that, and you know how in the old days they used to draw what they love, what they yes. hate, put black crayon and stuff like yes. that, they're drawing cell phones and blacking yeah. them out because they can't get their parents' attention. I read recently in the New York Times, there was an article around how on the West Coast, surprisingly, there's uh, these new nanny contracts where parents don't allow their nannies or babysitters to bring cell phones into the home because they have a no technology, no screen time rule with their children because of the neurology around the damage that screen time can do to children's development. That and it's sort of like when I'm in a taxi, if that taxi driver picks up their phone while they have me in the back seat, right. there's a, either I'm going to tell them to pull over depending where I'm at um, or they're not going to get a tip from me because my life is in danger because the brain can't do two things at one time, period, not well. And so if you have a nanny That's a bold is, statement, right? I mean, go uh, back to that. That's a bold uh, statement. You're making a declarative statement I am. that multitasking well is a myth. Multitasking can be, is, you can multitask. That's a skill in its own right. Um, but if you want to do something at high quality, you can only do one thing at a time. So Amen. it's two yeah. separate, two separate yeah. things. So if I had a nanny, sort of like in the cab, 
that child is doing, you see it all the time. I mean, you read about it, these terrible things all the time. That nanny, once you get focused on that, you yeah. lose your sense of everything else. That child could be eating medicine for all you know. Right. So if I was a parent, I, you know, I would, I would do this, I would do the same thing. There was recently, I was very delighted. I've often wondered, if you were a parent, what would you be like as a parent? Well, I'm, I am a parent of a, uh, you know, I have a stepson who's out yeah. of the house, but I, I have an, a dog. You do talk about that. In fact, off Wesley. camera, you mentioned about the technology and pets. Well, because over the years, just with my, my awareness of all of this, when I would take Wesley, you know, I take him to the walk for a walk, I take him to the dog park. And again, I'm, I'm on the road a lot. So I don't, just like my family, I don't have a lot of time with yeah. him. But I've always been very careful that when I'm walking him, that I don't spend too much time on my phone because I, I felt like he sort of knows. And that was just me with, you know, my you know, layman's, layperson's, sure, sure. you know, knowledge. Sure enough, on one of the uh, documentaries a couple of weeks ago, there's a study that says there's enormous damage being done to animals because the parents are on their phones and they're not getting attention. So there you have it. I, I will say the most important, for the people, you know, watching this, not, at home it's, it's important. At work, one of the biggest things we help organizations with around the world is engagement scores and high engagement and how do we you know motivate people to want to do their best i have to tell you put your technology down because when you are doing sort of what you're doing right now looking at that while you know talking yes, to but somebody. i'm off camera so no one knew that until you called me out thanks a lot corey <laughs> but when you're doing something like this as i mentioned earlier like this yes. it's like hey yeah no i can do two things at one time right you are doing terrible things to that person that you are talking to. Uh, Corey, our, our mutual colleague, Catherine Nelson, who used to be the vice president of leadership, she's yes. since left the firm, but is still in our family globally. Yeah. She talks a lot about how you know, leaders create culture, and they create culture in every interaction. And I've learned a valuable lesson from her, and that is when you're walking down the hall as a leader, or for anyone, you're tempted to be doing your email, checking your text because you've just come from a meeting and you're going to a meeting, but all of us are inevitably hands down into our phone. And that's an important time to create culture when you're passing people in the hallway, especially as a leader in an organization where people might know you more than you know them, but yet you're sort of urgently focused on getting some quick work done, running, running from one building to another. And I have learned from Catherine not to do that because inevitably I'm going to pass four or five people in the hallway. And from this series or from my radio program, the odds that they know me are probably fairly well. And it's a good chance for me to help build culture. Look them in the eye, ask them how their morning is or whatever it is. And so I think that relates to both our work and our home, right? Is like you said, one thing at a time, put your phone down. Put your phone down. And um, in the hallway, it's really important because the other thing that Catherine will say is that every time you open your mouth, it's a leadership moment. Right. And every time you're seen. and so. Again, people in the hallway, it, you become unapproachable. Um, right. And right. you look like, oh, I'm the busiest person in the world. And that, well, you look like a that jerk is maybe. good. That is it really, I use that are, are, you, are you, you really running the world? Are you really you know? running right. the world? You yeah. have, and so I, and even um, not only put your phone down when you, or put it back in your pocket when you're walking down the hallway, but when somebody stops you um, or comes and asks you a question, whether it's one of your direct reports or somebody in the hallway, Put you, you do one of two things, either say, you know what, just give me one second, let me finish this email and put it down, or immediately put it down and give them your full yeah. attention. Being present is an underrated Being virtue, right? Being present and yeah. this piece of human connection. Yeah. Human connection 
is key, and they need your whole person for them to feel like you are engaging with them. Corey, in this chapter, which I think is one, one of the most relevant of all five because we're all so focused on our technology, you talk about a concept called the core four. Mm -hmm. um, expand on that. Okay, so if we get uh, you know, past our addiction, where we get a handle and some tools on how do we minimize that a little bit, now we can start thinking about, so how do we align our technology to really you know, um, streamline everything to assist our productivity? The four core um, is your stuff. It's organizing your stuff and, and putting a process to it. So when you think about your stuff, it's really one of four things. It can be a task, it's an appointment, it's a contact, or it's a note. That's it. If you think about a pile on your desk, that's about all, you know, oh, that's a task, goes on the task, oh, that's an appointment. That's all there is. So we got to know where our stuff is, and we employ here what we call the principle of one. You should have one place where your tasks live, where your appointments live, where your notes live, where your contacts live. Because imagine, if you've got two or three different calendars, you can't you check off your printed task list and then go back in and check off your digital or task list. Or if you want to do another piece of technology and then not say, you know, say whatever, you've got different, you know, you're going to miss something. Corey, stop there. Says easy can be difficult because if people are like me, you know, I have a, a PC, a laptop, I have a tablet, I actually have two tablets because my boys use them sometimes, I have my phone, I have a paper organizing system where I take down notes and I have my task list. My calendar is in both my phone and on my tablet. It, it's, it's, can be, it can be challenging. Well, is your calendar the same calendar? On yes, of course. Fine. That's, yes. You can have I don't care how many devices you have, as long as when you go to your calendar, everything of syncs and updates. Everything is synced up, that right. you don't have three different so types of calendars. It's fine for me to have my task list in my printed portfolio. If that's the, the one place where you yeah, go to it, right. fine. And access my email both through my phone and through my, it's fine, as long as each one of them are in a dominant space. And that they, they show up as this, it's one across your technology. Okay. Right. Or if it's on paper, you're keeping it in paper, yeah. you might align that with some technology, but you gotta keep that, that synced. And notes is really an important conversation too. Do you use post-it notes? I don't. Do you have a place where you put your notes? Several. Well, they are in. So there's a couple of systems um, out there, just to name a couple. Yeah. Um, in uh, the office system, it's OneNote, right. which is integrated with Outlook, right. and they continue to do a better job with that. Do you use uh, that? I use, uh, I use Evernote. Evernote. Uh, for my personal notes, yes. I have, oh, I've used Evernote for a number of years. Because anytime You key in or use like a digital pen? You, um, I key in you do. on this one. Yeah. And, and again, you, our audience can explore. There's many systems. Yeah. If you use Apple products, the Apple Pen yeah. works. If you use one now, OneNote and you have a Surface uh, computer, uh, the Surface Pen works. So you just have to do a little research. Very, you'll very quickly understand what it's, what it's, what's what. With Evernote, even when you and I talk to even prepare for this, I just open my computer or my tablet or my cell phone and bring up Evernote, new note, type in a few notes. It saves itself. And it journals. I've got about seven years of notes that mm. take up no space on my computer um, that I can source in, you know, all the time. And whatever device I have, it shows up. Similar for OneNote and some of the other systems out there as well. So you pick your poison. Again, it's the principle of one. You decide, as long as you know the principle, but have your notes in one place. Because with me, I can always find them. So your confidence is somewhat intimidating because <laughs> I don't have the same level of, I think, intellect maybe as you do. Oh, what, gosh. Um, 
for, for the neophytes like us. It was too far away. Yeah, I, bring it back. I know that. Uh, what tips would you give us around how to separate ourselves from our phones? Here's a good mm. example. I struggle with the fact that my phone can be my alarm clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. So especially when I'm going to give a speech somewhere, I need mm -hmm. to be up at you know, 4.30, shave, showered in a suit, go down to the room, technology. The problem is I'll go to bed at 10.30. Because we're a global company, I'll get 15 texts throughout the night. So mm -hmm. I'm waking up because my texts are going off, but my alarm clock's on, and I'm so nervous to like, play with it for fear I turn off the alarm clock because it's more important for me to get up on time for the client than to get a good night's sleep. I'm guessing... If you could teach me how to, between the hours of 10.30 and 5 a.m., turn off notifications and keep my alarm on. There's things like that that if I just took the time, I could conquer. Well, you just answered your own question, so I'll tell you how I do it. Uh, I use my cell phone for my alarm clock and, just being neurotic, a call. A call. I did I. I hey, everyone knows we're twins separated at birth by right. same mother's right. different fathers. Right. <laughs> my, my mother used to set three alarm clocks back in the day. Uh -huh. she, said she was worried about that, too. And uh, people wonder why you're a, a um, productivity expert. Right, <laughs> right. Well, she actually had a lot of, she had a, a day to glance. I mean, she was very organized. Yeah. Anyway, um, I... Do I will not listen to texts in the middle of the night. I need a good night. You, for, yeah. If you want to go to choice five, no, no, I'm you all have there. to get. I'm all there. And I'm also like you. I'm around the world, different yeah. time zones and stuff like that. So you really have to be careful. Um, I put. Uh, I, I use an Android at the moment, uh, and I put the do not disturb on. I'm sure uh, Apple has the same function. Do not disturb automatically between the hours of 9 p.m. at night and 6 o'clock in the morning. Simple question. I should know this. That protects your alarm clock still to wake you, you up. The alarm clock will still work. Okay. And I do have, uh, what I do have in there is that the only people that can get through are my two sisters. Okay, so that was my next question. I should know this. I've got three boys and I have a lot of time to play with my phone. I can designate my mother, my father, my wife to violate that protection at any time. In Android, definitely. I'm, I'm sure so. you do yes. in, in Apple yeah. as well. But that, So it is very annoying when my sisters who live in New York and I'm in Arizona have some funny, you know, they're, start, they're chatting yeah. in the morning yeah. uh, and I'm like, could you knock it off? When I get included and I'm like, could you knock it off? This is all, because it scares me. When, when right now goes. our guests are online thinking and writing, can you believe the host of On Leadership doesn't know that he can actually protect sounds on his phone? Not every, I don't know, no, a lot of people, uh, you'd be surprised how many people yeah. don't know, but you gotta turn stuff off in the middle of the night and get a really yeah. good night's sleep. You talked about the, um, four, the core, four cores. Talk about the three master moves. Okay, so once you have the four core design, and, and um, you just have to really sort of create a matrix for yourself and figure out, take a few minutes, make it a big rock, you know, take some time, figure out where's my stuff, my tasks, my contacts, my notes, um, my, uh, my calendar items, you know, where am I keeping stuff and try to get to the principle of one. Once you do that, and if you use Outlook or Google in particular, um, then we have what, we, you can really turn those systems into engines of productivity by implementing the three master moves. And the three master moves go for any technology, but it's really people will go, oh my, what, what, what did you just say? Um, th you know, turn Outlook into an engine of productivity. I love that phrase, you know? yeah. Because everybody like dreads, they have hundreds of emails and stuff like that. And yes, you can, because for me, I want people to send me emails. If somebody stops me in the hallway today while I'm on campus and they say, oh, Corey, could you do? I'm like, ah, 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 send me an email because I have to get it into my task management system. So I use the tasks and the calendar, obviously, uh, in Outlook, and I don't use my inbox as a filing system, which most people do. 
and they'll check mail, I'll check it later, it's in there, I'll look, I'll scroll. Uh, you don't do that. You can turn your outlook and your emails into an engine of productivity. So three master moves. Here we go. Couple of, uh, the, the first one is win without fighting. Um, it's based on the principle of automation. So here's a paradigm for you. Every email that comes in is not just a message. Every email that comes in is a decision that your brain has to make. And every time your brain makes a decision, it takes energy away from the next decision. So we are answering stuff every day that is automatic deletes, right? It's like, oh, there's that vendor. Oh, there's Corey again. Get rid of her. Or, you know, or this goes to HR. And it's just these repetitive things that should be pre-decided. And so the principle of automation, when without fighting, you should be able to automate 30 to 40% of your inbox so that it's decided for you before it ever comes into the inbox. Some examples. So if anybody knows how to create rules, and a lot of people do, that's what we're talking about here. So you can create a rule. Maybe there's a vendor that gets through our spam filters or whatever, or you really decide you don't like me anymore and you don't want to read any of my emails. You can set a rule that says, anytime Corey sends an email to me, send it to my delete file. Um, or it could be um, that you set up a, a rule that anything that comes in with the word resume in the subject line, uh, put it in this folder and send a copy to HR. So it, the rules are really a power, and it's called filters in uh, Google. Mm -hmm. You can set up 30 or 40 of them before you max out the system and automate all the, so that you save your brain for the more important things. Corey, in the one and two day work session, titled the same name as the book, that companies around the world teach and hire yeah. us to teach, you have adopted the technology teach to match what are the dominant vendor choices that clients are using, right? Outlook and, and Google and such. Yeah. Lotus Notes. And, and but it can go to any anything that you're using. Yeah, most yeah. of our corporate clients the use The principles Outlook, are sort of universal. Principles. But some of the applications and rules might be customized for whatever technology Customized, yeah, and we yeah. do. We can yeah. either do demonstrations, we do labs, we give a really good book and you know handout yeah, on how to make yeah. these moves and stuff right. like that. So people can take time and really just uh, we call them detox your inbox. I like that is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. So the second move is uh, turn things into what they really are. So remember the four core tasks, contacts, appointments, and notes. And again, every email is not just a message. It's not just a decision, but every email checks the box on being one of those four things. And it's interesting because instead of leaving it in there, people don't realize this, you can just you know, very simply drag the email down to the left in Outlook to the task right. folder. Yeah, yeah. And what'll happen is that whole that. string of whatever the conversation was will open up in a task window pre-populated and all you gotta do is put a date in, close up, and now you have the task management system running your life. with assist you It's an assistant. You can put a reminder on it, you can do all these things. You turn it into a calendar item, you turn it into a note, just dragging and dropping. That functionality gets everything out of your inbox and gets it into measurable systems of appointment setting um, and task management. Same thing with contacts. People, I, I see they do this. Oh, there's Scott. Let me, let me like cut and paste. Just drag it down to contacts, it opens up, it pre-populates it, and in the white space has some of the additional information that you may want right. to put in later, right. but now I have right. the contacts. Right. So that's number two, and number three is link to locate. You know, we're always looking for, a, you know, before a meeting starts, we're, going, we're looking for our resources and where's that document. In, again, in the system, you can just hyperlink 
uh, in your appointment or in the task, you can hyperlink. There's the five emails from Bob Whitman about how we should be doing something, and there's some from Paul, whatever. I line them all up there so I have everything in one place. Um, and then maybe I need contact information. So when I'm getting ready or preparing for the meeting, everything is hyperlinked right there from all different drives around the organization. Corey, you're a, a wealth of knowledge. What you're saying is as much relevant to the leadership world, our professional world, as it is to our personal lives. I mean, you have joined us on leadership. You were on um, Hoda and Kathy Lee a few years ago. I think it was Billy Bush subbing in for Kathy Lee. But that was all about also the personal application of these principles. I almost wonder if it's time for you to rewrite, update the book. It's been five or six years. But as I'm listening to you thinking, gosh, I could use all of this. I work here, and I've been through the course. But the world's changing. I mean, my social media is starting to dominate my day. You know, as I've been increasingly writing books and, 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 and blogging and writing articles, I'm now dealing with onslaught of requests via email, texts, managing my social media responses. I'm so privileged to have people that are following right. me and wanting things and asking questions. And I feel like if someone posts something, I should respond to it. I almost feel like, it feels like the next generation is, you know, the six choices. I don't know. Is you know. Uh, what advice would you give as we close out in, in, in the coming year, 2019, what are the things we're facing that you're seeing on the horizon that are pressing, challenging us on our technology, on prioritization, bringing some sanity to our lives? Anything come to mind as you work with clients to say, this is what's coming that we're facing? Or is it just kind of the same principles apply because no matter how big it gets, the challenges are still you know, kind of solved with the choices. It's a lot there, but what do you see? It's a very big question that you're asking, and it all ties to um, how organizations are forming today and operating today, looking at competition, how do you lead uh, through the whole person paradigm, and how productivity fits in all of that. So uh, I've been asked recently a lot about the agile organization, mm. because agility uh, really, in people's minds, is going to speed. Sprints in the agile project management world, we're sprinting, customer um, needs are changing every minute, and so we're going to continue to, you know, sprint, you know, we're going to continue to make those changes and use the sprints to keep us sane and moving it forward. Um, you hear organizations where it is 20 hours of, you know, it's still a badge of honor to work long hours and, you know, and, and all of that. And I, I will say that the newness is, I think we need to address this world of agility, hmm. um, which means speed and competitiveness and innovation, and even more deeply apply the principles of productivity to really around discernment of what's really important, less important, not important. Uh, and, and I'll give a nod to the four disciplines, really. What are those wildly, and staying true to what are the wildly important goals that make up quadrant two? And how do we make sure that the leadership remembers that regardless how much we talk about artificial intelligence and machine learning and all that kind of stuff, that at the end of the day, it's always going to be about the people. And that's a big conversation out there today as well, that the lower level skills now are going to robotics and all of that, but mm -hmm. you require the people to manage that. So it's all, everybody knows this. It's about critical thinking skills, problem solving skills, all those things that make up the knowledge worker are becoming more intense. 
Leadership has to remember that they are people, that the brain requires an enormous amount of energy in order for people to do their best work in the 21st century. And so this whole energy piece, how are we really managing our time, our attention, and our energy to really allow those people to give their best, that's the conversation from here on out that we have to have. So this has to be put into play with even more rigor, just because as we move towards the demands this, are getting bigger, a yeah, bigger, right. and we're yeah. talking more. An agile organization, all it is, is a fast-moving organization that is operating through the whole person paradigm. Corey, you have. Thank you for that. You have. Remind me to Google agile organization. Okay. Sorry. Uh, You've co-authored three books. Mm -hmm. Another book that you co-authored is called Presentation Advantage. Yes. And it's not what it seems at first blush. I might have you back on for your fourth appearance, maybe in 20, I don't know, later on, 2020. Talk a little bit about the concepts in the other book you co-authored. I, I love I love them all. Presentation Advantage, I, and I know from the name, you know, we, we brought that name forward from a body of work that we were working right. on with, with communications. Um, the way we approached it, was to say in the 21st, you know, it's not another book about, hey, here's how you get up in front of a thousand people and, you know, and talk. I mean, you can take it that way, but, but it's not meant that way. It is really focused on the fact that in the knowledge worker age, it's all about the brain as the number one tool and the mouth as the number two tool. So if we're paid to think, to innovate, to create, so and execute. So we're set, we're set on the we, mouth Right, <laughs> right. And then it's how do I articulate what's on my mind? So when you start thinking about the business case around not focusing on this in organizations, and you think about our need for innovation, and you think about people coming into the workforce, whether they're born here, not born here, you know, diverse workforce, English may not be their first language, or they haven't communicated much, and they have a good idea, but they can't get it out of their mouth. It's not their fault. They don't know how to stand with their boss and say, I have this good idea. Let me tell you how it's going to benefit the company. I have three points to share with you, and this is why we should do it. And so these good ideas are disappearing. Another example, uh, we see executives all the time or people that really, uh, you know, they have these big um, change management. We're going to do this great change. They can't get the story out right to the people to persuade them to action. So when we say communication in the 21st century, or what presentation really is, it's, 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 the, it's the communication between two or more people in order to persuade them to change their behavior, their get a result, or change their attitude. And so how do we do that, even sitting right here, what's the process to be able to do that around designing a powerful message? How do I think through preparation? What are the visuals that I need? Not a hundred, you know, PowerPoint deck. We all know death by PowerPoint. But what are the visuals that's going to support the key points and the benefits of what I'm saying? And then how do I deliver that, you know, you know, like this? What are the delivery elements in order to get that across? Okay, you're coming back. Because we got to talk about that. Three times is a charm, but that topic is going to be captivating, right? Yeah, well, it's for every single person out there today that's a knowledge worker out there that needs to open their mouth and say something and wants to get ahead in an organization. Which is everyone. Even to yeah. ask for a raise. How do yeah. I do that well? Corey, thank you. Phenomenal work. Pick up thank the five you. choices. You've put the content in the All Access Pass. Yes. If people have questions about how to engage with Franklin Covey, Visit us, franklincovey.com. We'd love to have you subscribe to the On Leadership newsletter. Invite your colleagues, your friends, your family. It is the fastest growing leadership newsletter in the world right now. We're so grateful to all of our guests, including you, for coming on three times. Thank you. And we hope you come back next week for another exciting interview with On Leadership. Thank you so much.